It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Sam's talking out of his ass. And Sam Ostrowski. All right, let's do it. Game faces. Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode 12, Sam Ostrowski, alongside the man, the one, Dan Collins. Dan, that's probably the most I'll ever hype you up, so be excited about that. That's all right. You're my own personal hype man now. I have a... Yeah, yeah. I have a hype guy. I'm behind you with a microphone going, yeah, yeah, When I get married one day, if that ever happens, which I guess hopefully it happens, you could be the hype. Maybe you could be the guy who introduces me. I would be honest. And now too. the ground. Dun, 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 dun. That's I, think, th- I think I do it a little better than that, you okay. know? That's fine. Well, I'm here to Come talk. Come on, Dan. Have more faith in me. I'm here to talk baseball, not hype game, which is a lot of baseball, apparently, to talk about. I guess that's fair. Yeah, it is, because we are eight days, right? Eight days away from opening day. See, now you're dating the podcast. We're recording this. What's today? I don't even know what day of the week it is. Today is... Monday. The, Monday. Monday sucked. That's March right. 20... I have to look. 27th. Yes. This will be published on the 28th. 8th. Yes, tomorrow. tomorrow. Monday sucks, so you're just going to... Whatever that Twitter post you made or Facebook... I did. I made a Twitter post saying it's going to be tonight, but I lied. It's going to be tomorrow. That's really not going to happen. Absolutely. But... That's okay. It will be out tomorrow, and we're going to have plenty of things to talk about. We sure do. I guess uh, I'll get right into it with Around the Diamond, as always. Uh, last episode, we brought back some of the segments. We want to do more of the same. We'll have some interviews for the future. Uh, in fact, actually, next episode, episode 13, that is, we just might have another interview. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. Opening day is here. Cuts are being made. Final rosters are just... Opening day is coming up. Coming up. Excuse yes. me. Just days away from knowing each team's roster. It's super exciting. We're going to see who makes the cut, who doesn't, which kind of leads me into my first question for Mr. Dan Collins. Dan? I'm not good with questions. Who were you surprised about that got sent down? Or better yet, you know what, let me reword that. Let me give you a couple specifics. Glaybar Torres had arguably the best spring training for any prospect. Didn't he win some kind of award for it? He won, it? yeah. He was basically the best rookie of the year for spring Allow training. Allow me to be a means super anything. major creep and just look over your shoulders because you, like every single episode, we're a little shorthanded on the Diamond in the Rough podcast crew. We don't have a massive... <laughs> we don't have a producer. We don't have a massive production staff. We kind of split production duties. And you should actually just be the head of the research department because your notes are absolutely spectacular. Meanwhile, my notes are... On the back of my NFL predictions for yeah. next season. <laughs> yeah, I have not even a combined sentence of notes, and you have an entire Word document. So anyways, let me be a, a complete creep, uh, peek over here at your notes, and I do see uh, somewhere within here as I'm searching down that he did win some kind of award, right? Yeah, no, he did. it was basically okay. essentially a Rookie of the Year award in spring training for whatever that Okay, which means, which means nothing. He basically crushed... He basically won nothing, is yeah, what you're yeah. telling me. Okay, he took cool. the, the cover off the ball, to say the least. I, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I know he was batting damn near a 500 with an insane on-base percentage. That he, is brilliant. And he was making contact almost every at-bat, so he was sent to double-A. He was. Any surprises from that? No. No, I think, yeah. No, All right, surprised. we can agree. <laughs> that makes can for you tell boring, me why? That makes Give for me a boring more. podcast. He could have batted 800, and he could have hit 10 home runs. He basically did. And <laughs> he basically did do that. He did. And he could have drove in 55 runs, and it wouldn't have mattered. It's just not in the plan right now. The plan is for him to be called up sometime later on in the year. I will say this. What this means is that he has earned himself a spot on the roster before September call-ups. And it also means he's everything we expected him to be. I don't know if that means that this year. Maybe not necessarily, but so far. 
So far, you could say that. I think that if you are the New York Yankees, you are extremely optimistic. Oh, of course. And I think that if... Well, you're optimistic from the get-go. Because you have a lot going on for you hey, already. even if he had a poor spring training and he didn't win his pointless award, which is not really an award. He's the best rookie in spring training. whoop de doo But even if he batted, let's say, 220, had one home run, you still would have been fine. You wouldn't have hit the panic button. Now, actually, what you're doing is you're making the expectations even higher. Now you're you're waiting for this guy. As soon as somebody goes down, as soon as you need an extra bat... He basically put himself to where where if it's going to be some type of Vietnam War promotion where it's one man down, next man up, he's basically the next man up. I think I could agree with you. you know, But I'm not shocked that that's the case because right. that's just the plan. There was no way the Yankees were going to call him up no matter what. There's a plan in set, and Torres is very young, and he has some more time in the minors. How, how he, many home runs did he have in spring training? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I would have to not actually 10, pull it up. Which is what it you was said not he, 10. No, he's not right. necessarily a home run hitter. He's going to hit some bombs. I might not have a lot of notes. Don't make me seem like a complete idiot here in this podcast. No, I'll, I'll do my best. You know what? You brought something up. He wasn't hitting like a 220, but someone who was hitting around 220 was over in L.A. for the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger, yes. their top prospect, he also, who still hasn't been sent down, but probably expected to be. I want to know if you expect him to be sent down, or does he somehow make the opening I, day roster? I think he's also someone, well, it's a little tricky. I think he also has some sort of plan developed around him. The interesting thing is, if he's not sent down as of yet... But he isn't doing great in spring training. Is he going to make the club? I thought the plan was to maybe leave him down in the minors for a little longer. Just a little longer. My uh, idea with Bellinger is that he's going to be sent down. That's my prediction. I think there's... But why don't you do it already? Why hasn't it been done already? Why are you making it look as if maybe he has a chance to make the roster, but, oh, actually, no, it was never in the cards. We're just literally going to leave you all the way up until the very end, all the way into the very last set of cuts... And now, why didn't you just send him down already? They just want to take an extra look at him. I think Walker Bueller is the same way for the Then there's an idea that maybe he does make the team. Maybe, but they have multiple prospects still. Like I said, Walker Bueller, I think, is still around. So they just want to get a longer look at them, especially because Bellinger, my idea with him, is that uh, I really feel that he's going to make a huge impact for the Dodgers when they're making a deep run in October. I think he's going to be that X factor off the bench, making those spot starts and, you know, maybe a pinch hit here or there. Uh, So eventually he makes a team this year. I think there's no doubt about that. Do you know who else was called down? Don't say it. Don't say it. We, we talk about him way too much on this podcast. Yohan Moncada was called yeah. down. Can you believe that? So was Michael Kopech. I could believe So was Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito is the only one I just I'm a little I only, surprised I only do that to bother you. You are <laughs> very well know that those gentlemen were sent down. We're not going to talk about them. That was just me trying to tick Sam off. I think I did just a little bit. But, yeah, I don't think there's this. The shocker to me is Bellinger more than it is Torres in this scenario. Two of the bigger names that we're looking at, especially because they both had a possibility of making the opening day roster. You know, I say that not as much for Torres, Torres, but there's always the chance. So two of the more interesting names, there's plenty more to get to. We wanted to target them in this episode. Uh, Tyler Glass now is another one who I believe still hanging around on the roster, has a chance. No matter what, whether he's sent down or not, he's going to be... I think he has a chance to actually make the team, though. Yeah, no, he does. That yes. that rotation needs him. I think they really do need him, along with Jameson, their other prospects. So, moving on, lots to look at there. We'll be excited to see who gets cut, who doesn't. You know, there's going to be a couple surprises, as there always are. But, Dan, it's that episode. 
right before opening day. Is it that episode? It is that episode that, that we need to make episode. predictions. It do only we really? makes sense. Are you going to force me to Some make a prediction? Some people hate making predictions. Why do we play the I prediction have, game? It's fun. What did I you think force it's fun. me into? So I'm going to start it off simple. <sighs> All right. All right, Dan. We're the prospect show, so the biggest question is, who is the 2017 Rookie of the Year for the American League and the National League? Go. Okay, I hate predictions. I don't like any kind of prediction. I don't like, give me your central champ, give me your east champ, who's going to win the World Series, what's the matchup going to be, who's going to win the pennant. I think it's a little goofy, especially right before the very first pitch of the Major League Baseball season. So, Look, we all know it means nothing, but can't we have a little fun? In order, well, Come on. we can have fun, and I'm going to talk about this. And in order, this is going to be, you threw a jab at me because I don't like doing stuff like this. I'm going to throw a jab right back, and I'm going to be so cheap with this. We're going AL or NL first. I'm not even listening to you at the moment. Your, your pick. My pick. Okay. So my pick, it doesn't really matter because I'm going to go in the AL. And actually, both my picks are not going to shock you by any way, any stretch of the imagination. My pick has to be Andrew Benatendi of the, of the Boston Red Sox. You almost said Chicago White Sox. I almost you? did, didn't I? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I almost did. Trust me. I'm very well aware that Benatendi plays for the Sox that are red. Trust me. I don't know how that almost slipped. My apologies. But what I will say is... Only because he had that knee injury last year, he is now still rookie status. So I'm cheating a little bit here because he's one of those guys. Remember when Jose Abreu, here I go right to the White Sox, won rookie of the year, and he really wasn't a rookie, and it wasn't because he had a little bit of Major League Baseball time. It's because he was basically a pro. What was he, 27 years old? Yeah, and he was a pro overseas. He played professional baseball. It just wasn't in the United States of America. That's kind of the case with Benintendi. He had quite a few at-bats. He needed less than 600 minor league at-bats before he made it up to the big leagues. I think that this is just kind of an easy call. Now, if you're going chalk, Andrew Benintendi for the American League is definitely the chalk bet. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's, it's because that's right. he's not. He's the number one prospect right now. He's the number one prospect. He's barely a rookie, and he impressed last year. And I don't see the the knee injury that he had last year lagging him all the way into this season. And if I'm not mistaken, your National League prediction is basically more of the same. Yes, it is more of the same. It's Danzy Swanson, who, fun fact, while I was researching this, he has 129. Major League at-bats. Once he gets to 130, no longer a rookie anymore. You've reached the cap. He, so so he, he landed by one he, at-bat. He, he had a slash line last year, 302, 361, and 448. I went straight chalk. If I'm at the racetrack and I'm picking some horses, I'm going with like the 2-1 to one odds here, basically. Well, you're boring. I am. Dan, you're a boring man. Okay, but how's about this? Now, do I get anything if I'm correct? Because the odds are... This is probably what it's going to be, barring injury or a couple big names behind him really showing him up. And check this out. want to get your opinion on this. I think I'm right. I probably am right no matter what you're going to say about this. But Swanson also has the position in his favor. He's a shortstop. Now, while he not he may not be a flashy player, he may not be somebody that the whole world knows with a full season under his belt. If he can showcase his talents, have a really good slash line, have a really good war, he also plays the shortstop position, which people, for more reasons than one, tend to value a little more. Partially because it's a very important defensive position, and the other part is it's a little more flashy. You're just involved more. I agree, but I think pitching is even more so. 
You know, that's something that's looked at right away, the pitcher. People love offense, Sam. I know, well, let's but think if you're talking about, here. if you're going to pick a defensive position right. that isn't a pitcher, then yeah, you know, shortstop, sure. you're right. Yeah. That's, if, that's, if you're strictly speaking that's offense, be a position you're gonna that's look at. the position. That's the glorified sure, sure. position in the infield. All right, Dan, well, I'm going to have some fun with this. My right. turn. Rookie of the year, and You're, you're going to have fun, you're going to be wrong. Well, that's not true. See, that's year. why I don't like look. doing this. You're having fun, look. blah, blah, blah. Look, Wouldn't it be so cool if Joe Schmo wins rookie of the year? That's my prediction, because check this out. my giving you some dark horse reasons. It's not a dark horse reason. Hold on, hold on. It's going to be Andrew Benatendi. Give me a second. It's going to be Andrew Benatendi. Look, every year, there's always a player that breaks out that's a rookie. It doesn't mean he's going to be the better player in the long run. Yeah, those are the guys that win rookie of the year. It means he had the better season. Michael Fulmer from the Detroit Tigers is the perfect example. I think he was 98 on the top 100 list, and he won rookie of the year. So you don't know. And then on the other end, Corey Seager won. So let me get to my picks. Oh, God. American League Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go from the Cleveland Indians, Bradley Zimmer. The 24-year-old spent most of his time in AAA last season. Did not get a September call-up from the Indians because they really didn't need it. As we know, they made it to the World Series, and they're on their way to another World Series run with a guy coming up like him in the outfield, Bradley Zimmer. He's got the combined power and speed to really make an immediate impact, and not to mention... He has some plus fielding if you're going off of some of the scouts to say he has a 60 field to go along with a 55 arm. Uh, He hits 15 homers last season to go along with 62 RBI and an on-base percentage of .365, which is impressive enough. I really believe Zimmer, the first-round draft pick out of 2014, is ready for the big leagues. He's got a big frame, stands at 6'5", 220 pounds, so you know he's got the power backing him up. And he's someone who really can sit in the middle of the Indians lineup pretty quickly here. He's not someone who's just going to come up and struggle. He'll have an immediate impact. That's why I think he's going to be the rookie of the year of the American League. Um, And again, the Indians, for years to come, they're set up, man. They are going to be a team that runs to the World Series year in and year out, and they're scary. Moving to the Padres, Hunter Renfro. He's someone who might be a little more chalk, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, you see, like using the chalk I'm, word. I'm liking that. So Hunter I'm Renfro, he's pick. the power hitter. Yeah. And spring training-wise, he's right behind Torres as one of the most impressive young guys out there. He's someone who probably is going to hit anywhere between 20 to 30 home runs even this season. And, you know, as we know, a lot of people love to look at the home runs. So Hunter Renfro is someone who could definitely win the... Rookie of the year, to say the least. So I think he'll have the more impressive season in the National League. I'm going to keep it simple. Those are my two rookie of the years. Lots of fun. we got to continue with this prediction game, though. We've got a few more for you. More predictions. More predictions for you. So who's going to have the sophomore slump? The guy who last season, he's not considered a rookie anymore, so you're not going to see his name on the top 100 prospect list and might have not had the best rookie year. Or excuse me, he did have a good rookie year. That's what I meant to say here. And is going to have the sophomore slump. Dan, who you got? Just give me one name. I only need one. Okay. So, I'll do you a little bit of a favor. I wrote chalk for the, my rookie of the year candidates. So, I had a few names written down just to be a little friendly here. I'm going with a left-handed pitcher who last year had a 5-2 and two record, 339 ERA in the National League, 84 strikeouts, 31 walks. You can do the math on that. In the postseason, two games, one start, 1-1, one one, 635 ERA. Once again, remember... That was in two games, and then one of those games being against the World Champion Chicago Cubs, Julio Reyes of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And my thing here is, this dude is an exceptional talent. He is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely, no doubt. He was absolutely phenomenal in the minors. He was absolutely phenomenal while many, many people in the regular season 
To me, his postseason woes, I think, were more or less based on fatigue than it was anything else. My thing here, and was it he has like a little bit of a sore throat, strep throat going around, oh, yeah, something right now, like that. Day to day. He has like a little sickness. It's nothing to do with his actual physical physique in terms of pitching. It's not an arm thing. It's not a shoulder thing. He's a little under the weather. So that's what's going on with him now. But where I'm going with this is, I think he's the young. He's the type of youngin, and I'm not saying the Dodgers are necessarily rushing him up. They're not. But what I could see here is maybe an injury thing popping up. I don't want to predict injury on anyone. He's a pitcher. But he's very young. He's a pitcher. He can throw the heat. Certain times in his career can even get up to the triple digits on that radar gun. Has a really good breaking ball and knows how to switch it up with a changeup. But that's where I'm going here. Does that count? I don't necessarily see him slumping for performance reasons. I could see him maybe getting a little weird here. That's what happens with these guys who rely so heavily on the heat and then mix it up with that killer breaking ball an off-speed pitch. Also, I just didn't want to write chalk again, so I did you a favor. Well, I'll accept it. I think you're wrong, but I'll accept it. I, I probably am, and I probably he's phenomenal. I think he's going to be outstanding. He's, ab- he's this absolutely season. phenomenal. Yes, we don't agree, but that's okay. My sophomore slump, someone might definitely not agree with. Someone I already mentioned, the rookie of the year last year, Michael Fulmer of the Detroit Tigers. Now that's goofy. No, I didn't even. That's a little goofy. I have my reasons. So, of course, as a pitcher, you can always get injured, but it's not really about that when it comes to Fulmer. It's more so about the division he's in. The American League Central is going to be, I think, a powerhouse this year, despite the White Sox, I guess. Uh, The Twins are better. The young talent's coming up, and they're looking pretty good. I don't think they're going to be winning the division by any means, but they aren't going to be an easy team to pitch against. And then, of course, you've got the Indians, obviously. The Tigers always make a run at it. And the, the Royals. American League champions, yeah. And, of course, you have the Royals who are still there, too. So those are difficult teams to pitch against. I think Fulmer, I think he's going to slump a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to have an unbelievably terrible year, but he's definitely not going to post. I think he had like a 3.070 or a last year. Uh, I definitely don't expect that from him. And he'll be my sophomore slump. Just an honorable mention. You mentioned people who will get injured. I think Steven Matz. Who already is de- someone who's already dealt with injuries is someone who it's can slump, slump too. You know, you hate to say he's the next Matt Harvey of the New York Mets, but yeah, all the talent in the world that the lefty really yeah, he could be one of their next big things in that rotation. But I'm gonna say you know he's someone that might hit the injury bug as well, which is obviously typical. So let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. Who's gonna break out? Who's gonna be that star that again? Not on the top hundred prospect list, not anywhere because he's not considered a rookie anymore but has a chance to really have their breakout year, if you will. Become an all-star, even. Now, I will say, we talked about a few names before doing this. It could have been a lot. There's a lot of names. A lot of potential breakouts. That, there always are. Yes, and I settled with, while we were having our conversation with Jose Peraza, and the biggest thing we were talking about is, hey, he doesn't have to play behind Phillips anymore. Yep. Batted 324 last year, three home runs, 25 RBI, so he was just getting started in terms of putting up some pretty impressive numbers. Now that the reins are almost his now to take, I think that he's going to have the breakout year. But there's a ton, a ton of names. It's almost unfair just to put in one player. This is a well, 30, that's, that's this is a 30 minute year. or so podcast, but yeah, absolutely. Every but single year there's always The big thing for me is now, he doesn't have to play behind someone, right. which is also the case for a few other names. Actually, I'm totally on board with that. I think Jose Peraza is going to have a great year as well. So, Dan, we actually agree for once. How's about that? That's fine with me. All right. Well, I'm going to... I'm okay with that. Time to give mine. One of my favorite prospects from last season who played well, but not enough to be you know looked at as some amazing Rookie of the Year candidate by any means was Orlando Arcia of the Milwaukee Brewers. I really, truly believe... He is going to be at the top of that lineup for years to come. He's the next guy for them to really take them to the playoffs. 
I love what Arcia brings. He's a shortstop. Like you said earlier, shortstop's extremely important. They have a shortstop for their future, which is super important. Uh, maybe a cornerstone of the franchise for the next decade, if it obviously if he hits his ceiling. So I really expect him this year to start showing that, which could be really exciting for the Brewers because they've had so much bad recently, and they have all these prospects coming up that to finally see one start to see some success would be really cool. And on the other end, I think this is more of the obvious one, Byron Buxton. For the Minnesota Twins, had a rough year last year, but at the end, uh, if you noticed, last season, at the end of the year, he started to finally really show some potential, especially in the outfield. He had a hell of a glove. He made some unbelievable catches, to say the least. So, excuse me. Buxton is another one who I think a lot of people are expecting to break out. Uh, he was the number one prospect at one point. So, that's the guy, of course, you have extremely high hopes for. Uh, and the Twins, between him and Miguel Sano, as I mentioned earlier, are going to be a team. That could really start winning some ball games. We'll have to see. All right. Well, those are our predictions moving forward into the season. Yes. So, you know, keep this episode marked. Keep it remembered to see who had the better predictions because it's going to be fun. Episode and I can't 12, wait. the Dirty Dozen I episode. I can't wait to be right and shove it in Dan's face. Or you can't wait just simply for me to be wrong. Because if well, Ben, that's if why, ben that's attend what, to your well, sponsor, that's what I just said. Me. Absolutely. That doesn't necessarily mean you would be right. Well, it just I'm means still, I'm wrong. I'm still okay with that. Okay. I can I, still I, accept that okay. fact, as long as I'm more right than you, if that even I'll makes probably sense. be wrong on, on Julio Reyes, but what are you going to do? So, moving on, we're going to get one more segment snuck into here. Three up, three down, as we always do. Yes. Uh, we definitely wanted to keep this going so that we could cover as many teams up to opening day, because, you know, as the season go on, goes on, then things become a little more clear, and we wanted to have it where we're giving you our thoughts and opinions on it. So, Dan, I believe you have the Houston Astros as we continue into the West. I do. I definitely do have the Houston Astros. And right in the chalk, it's fine for my obvious prospect. It has to be pitcher Francis Martez because he has a dominant fastball. Comes in on the scouting grade 70, and he's going to back that up with what? Not one, but two good breaking pitches. Curveball that comes in at 65, slider 50. Change of 50, has good control, and overall he's just really solid. His career in the minors with the Corpus Crispy Hooks. I don't know why I just like saying that so much. 9-6, and six, 330 ERA in his 25 games. 22 of those are which of which he has started. And a 120 whip yo ass and 130, <laughs> 131 strikeouts. You like that one, don't you? Yeah, I do. That's, I exa- like, that's exactly what I he's doing. That, yeah, that's you know, that's how we're going to be remembered on this prog- on this yes. podcast, calling you know the statistic whip, whip yo ass. Whip yo ass. <laughs> on the top 100 list, you know where he ranks? Number 20. I think that's pretty, that's pretty okay, isn't it? Oh, and we remember what happened to pitchers on the top 100 list, do we not? I think so. What, what, well, remember what happened to Alex Reyes? They were just dropped. Oh, well. We were expecting all these pitchers to be a little higher. Not necessarily Francis Martez. I weren't saying that we were expecting him to be so high. But number 20, number 20 prospect. Not bad. No, he's a guy to look forward to, to say the least. Alex Reyes definitely would have been my prediction for Rookie of the Year had he not got hurt, by the way. You're still very sad about that, I am upset. You? I want to see him. I really want to see him perform this year. He's going to be great. But keep, keep it going. You know, it, I will say this about your obvious prospect. Surprise, it's not Kyle Tucker. He's ranked second in their system. Francis He's Martez second, right. I, I really feel that Kyle Tucker is is a someone to look forward to. He's super skinny. Not that that matters. But well, he, he's but he's an athletic guy. Here's my thing. Least. Here's my thing. When it's a toss up between a pitcher or a hitter, when they're top, usually even a one two punch in the system, it's a really it's really hard to choose between that. The reason why I went with Martez is not only because is he he's the number twenty prospect via MLB.com. He has that awesome above average fastball. 
and two breaking pitches and an average changeup to go with it. All right, so that's I, why I won't. Have. I can get on board. With he that. has a bigger arsenal. It's not just like he's a three pitch pitcher. He's throwing his fastball, breaking ball in there, and a changeup. He has two breaking pitches, changeup, and a fastball. All that are at least average, above average, or well above average. A good balance. Exactly, a very good balance. And if you're still so sad about Alex Reyes, who because of his injury, I'll give you a diamond in the rough just to cheer you up. Number 27 in their farm system, Jason Martin. And one of the reasons why he's my diamond in the rough, to me at least, there has to be something unique, fun, interesting about the diamond in the rough. He was one of the youngest players in the 2013 draft, 17 years of age, when he was drafted into this organization. Eighth round, 227th overall. I say it like it's a very high number, well, or low number, I should say, in terms of the draft. I'll be drafted 227th overall anyways. But the thing with him is, below average power, he could run below average arm. His fielding is okay. If he wants to play the outfield, particularly center field, the scouting report says he's probably going to have to get better there. At least he has a decent hit tool, though. So here's a youngin who decided, hey, I'm going to go through with this draft, 227th overall, screw it. Good hit tool, still in the top 30 in the system. You never know, maybe one day you'll see Jason Martin and you can consider him a diamond in the rough. Well, I hope so. You know, the Houston Nationals have a lot of depth as of right now, so it might be a little difficult for these guys to make the roster. I'll tell you what was very difficult, and that was finding a bust. Usually I like to go with somebody who was a number one overall draft or number one draft pick, first round pick, first round pick. But as we know, the Houston Astros very good have have been one of the best teams in drafting, and now that's why they are where they are. Who I found was Delino Shields Jr. Delino DeShields Jr. Sorry, don't don't want to butcher that here now. And I will tell you this, somewhat of an impressive resume, although Batting average isn't necessarily there. Career, two years with the Rangers now he's with, so that still counts if he was drafted by the Astros, right? We break the rules nonstop we here. We used to have a bunch of rules for this, and we kind of just threw them out all, all out the window. <laughs> I don't know what happened. We still have the three names, but the rules, you know, we kind of forgot about them. Career-wise, and again, he's only played about a year and a half in the major leagues, .9 war. He has a .9 war, but... Last year, negative .2 war. So it wasn't even a positive war. Come on, DeShield. He's losing the team games. He, I mean, so he is an okay player, so to speak, for the Rangers. He had some impressive moments in 2015. The thing here now is he was the eighth pick overall in 2010. So if you're just decent and having little spurts here and there, like I said, 2015 most notably is when... He even won Rookie of the Month, I want to say, or something like that, back in 2015. As I was doing my research, I found that on him. But to me, at least, if you were drafted 8th overall, you probably should be a little better than just 7 years later, you're okay and you're making your way somewhat through the major leagues. All right. And it's also really hard to find a bus in the Houston Astros organization. Right now it is. Yes. Right now it definitely well, is. Well, the past, yeah, if you're, if you're looking, I had to go all the way back to 2010. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I'm going to transition myself right here into my... I have the San Francisco Giants this week, and similar story with them. They yeah, drafted they, they, very they well. They draft well, don't they? They, they? they do a pretty decent job, don't We've they? We've had this conversation before. The San Francisco Giants are one of the teams that just somehow keep pulling up all these names from their system that find success. Great coaching, great da- drafting abilities, and players... Fantastic coaching. Fan- Fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Most definitely. And players who are motivated every year. Which is fun to watch. So going into the obvious prospect, Tyler Bede, the right-handed pitcher, 
Uh, fun story, Blue Jays actually drafted him in 2011, 21st overall, I believe. And guess what he did? He pulled a Mark Appel on them. He said, nope, don't want to. Smart move, I think. It was a smart move smart because move. he's one of only 20 people to ever say no after being a first-round draft pick and then picked in the first round again. So flash forward three years. In 2014, the Giants picked him 14th overall. So he actually improved his draft stock just a little bit. That's why it was a smart move. Well, it's, he went to Vanderbilt. So pitcher out of Vanderbilt. Vandy boys. Helped him in the 2014 World Series run that they are. World Series of college. Well, how is it? World college Series. World Series. College right? World yeah. Series. He helped them the make fans, that run. The fans and listeners know you're not good at words, Sam. Yeah, I know. I, I have an issue every now and then. So Tyler beat great fastball. You know, typical for a lot of young pitchers these days. Uh, but I think saying that is enough to say he was a first-round draft pick in 2011. And then three years later, to still be a first-round draft pick proves that he's the kind of talent that is going to make it. And what I like a l- most about him, obviously beyond his abilities, is that how quick he's moving up. In just two months, he's already in double-A when he first started his career, that is. So just took the guy two months to hit double-A, which is extremely impressive because, as we know, that is a huge jump for any prospect to make it to double-A. Uh, you know, if you, a lot of players get stuck in that low-A ball or the high-A ball because teams are very strict about who they allow to the next level. But Tyler Bede is flying his way through. Starting rotation for the Giants, he doesn't have a spot right now. We know why. The Giants went really heavy on their starting rotation with Madison Bumgarner leading the way. So he doesn't have a spot right now. But I do think they're going to start him in the bullpen this year. I believe he's going to get the call. And I do believe he'll he'll get his maybe a spot start even here or there. So he's a guy to look forward to. He's their obvious prospect. Uh, I don't think he's the next Madison Bumgarner, but I do believe he's the next very solid pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, which seems to be a theme for them, doesn't and, it? You know, I think, yeah, and I think that's a the perfect find by you. And Why, thank you, Dan. I, I mean, I tip the cap, not to take anything away from you. It's not necessarily too hard to find something special like that in the Giants organization because they do their they do all their jobs so well. But it was still a very good find. Moving up in the system, still going to be a first-round draft pick, even though he says no and then comes right back, still another first-round draft pick, like the find. All right, well, I'm going to move to something not as fun. The bust, Gary Brown, the outfielder, first-round draft pick in 2010. We Gary have some, Brown, We yeah. have something similar in our in our bust today, Dan, both out of the 2010 draft. We had to go back because we're dealing with good organizations. That's they, all, hey, that's all um, comes down to. I'm all to. about that. I'd rather research that anyways. Uh, found his way. Th- actually had a decent minor league career. I'm going to pull it up for you. With the Giants, uh, he was moving up every year. So every year he went from high A to double A to triple A. And then actually played. So he was two. climbing the ladder. He was climbing steady the ladder. Pace. Okay. Uh, steady pace. In fact, in 2011, he had a 336 average with a 407 on base percentage in 131 games played at a high A. So he started off his career really well. Uh, but I think it has to do with the fact that the Giants had a lot of depth then. They were winning a lot of World Series at that time, so they really didn't need the guy. They were taking their time, but then eventually he started to drop. Uh, played only seven games at the pro level. Actually did get a few hits, but then they sent him to the Angels and said, you know what, you can have fun with him. He still has a chance to be a good player. But then he got to the Angels organization, didn't do much in AAA. He's now 28 years old, still has only played seven games in the majors, and eh, check this out, Angels released him. Almost a year to the date. Yikes. He was released March 31st, 2016. But he tried so hard. So in four days, this is going to be his anniversary of his release. How exciting. That's not exciting at all, actually. And no one's picked him up either. So it's been one full year, and no one's picked him up. So I think his career is about over. It's about done. I'm sorry, Gary Brown. You're done, Zoom. But I know I'm running against the clock here, so I'm going to get to my diamond in the rough. Austin Slater. 
Uh, one Slater of, from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, you got all when these. You wake up you, every you've got all these celebrity names you're comparing our players to today. Get the podcast on time. All right, I think we've heard enough of Dan singing today. Anyways, moving forward, the Giants have a lot of pro, uh, pitching prospects that are looking pretty good in their organization right now. Not many hitters, which you know you, you might get a little scared of. But then you run into Austin Slater. He's currently 19th on the top 30 for the Giants. Um, he's in AAA. He's 24 years old. Nice big frame, 6'2", 215 pounds. And you know what I like the most about him is that he's one of those guys who does everything right. He's not outstanding at anything by any means, but he's progressed in every level of the game. And the power finally started to hit, too, last season, actually, which is awesome. He hit 18 home runs with 67 RBI, uh, 305 average, and a 393 on base percentage. So... He had a pretty damn good season in the minors last year. He's expected to be called up this year because the Giants, if they have one hole in the field, it's left field. They had multiple players play left field. There was never a solidified starter. You got Hunter Pence in right, uh, Denard Span in center. So the one outfield they need is left. So I actually think Austin Slater this year could end up being eventually their everyday starter. I like the last name. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a great last name. And, of course, he's my diamond in the rough because he was an eighth-round pick. Like eighth it. round pick. That, I think it's a great find. To get Another that much find. out of an eighth round pick, uh, to possibly be an everyday starter, potentially. It's great development. It's super exciting for the Giants. They might, again, it has a lot to do with that coaching. Uh, I give all the credit in the world to the Giants. Very good development there. system. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah, was, uh, proofing in the pudding. I like, you know, I really like that phrase. It cracks me up every time. Reminds you of pudding, pudding I don't, pops. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know, I do like my pudding pops. So. <laughs> do you really? We had a conversation earlier about how much Dan and I love food because we've been trying to do yeah. our healthy we're cakes turning this in, We're turning this into a food podcast. Yeah, we sooner, might. Well, you know what? Later. We just got through. That's our three up, three down. Both of us got through. We could talk a little food, can't we? Sure, why not? I love food. Favorite. Okay, so here we go. Opening day around the corner while we have two more minutes to play with here. You tend to probably go more to Wrigley Field. Is that your home baseball stadium, you, you would say? say. That. You could okay. say that. So regardless, or maybe you've been to different ballparks and you want to visit them again this year. This year, now that baseball season is right around the corner, literally next week, and here we are. What is the ballpark food or even combo? You give me the meal, drink, side, whatever you want to do that you're looking most forward to this season. Okay, I usually get one of everything, and I'm not joking. If Wait, I go really? to a game, no, you can't. I'm not shitting you. You can't get. Well, you cannot. There's I no usually. Such thing as, I'm, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. There's no such thing as one of everything. Okay, let me explain. The, usually, I get one. You wouldn't be able to walk out of the stadium. Yeah, that's the problem because I drink a <laughs> crap ton of beer and I eat myself to a coma. Okay, give me your one of everything then. I always get a hot dog. Okay, it's, you have to, right? So you get one of the one of everything in terms of the original menu of you know of the main foods. I get a slice of pizza. Okay, and I also get a pretzel with cheese. It, and a hot dog. If I had to pick, pretzel and cheese is my favorite one. Really? It, it's almost a guarantee I will get all three of those items, and maybe I'll throw a super rope in there for fun. What's a super rope? <laughs> what the hell do you mean what's a super no, rope? No, for real, what's a super rope? Are you serious? The guys that walk around with the cotton candy and the cracker Oh, jacks, it's like the candy? And they got those huge Jesus ropes over man. their shoulder. Holy cow. It's just like a big thing of like red licorice. Wait, so you'll do like a ton of alcohol, and then you'll do... A ton of alcohol. A ton of alcohol. And then you'll mix it up. See, you do belong in Wrigley. And then you'll mix it up with a hot dog. Listen. Pizza. Listen, I don't mess around. Pizza, okay? a pretzel with cheese, and then a rope-a-dope. 
Oh, the rope-a-dope, if you want to call That's it That's what that. it's called? What no, is it? It's a super rope. Oh, the rope-a-dope. rope-a-dope. I don't know where the hell you got that from. <laughs> so the rope-a-dope. So, okay, but, got okay, it. Okay, super rope's rare. I rarely get it. Okay. But, you know, it's just that See, little See, now, if you went to what is now called Guaranteed Rate Field, which is my home ballpark, which I will spend the last minute of the show now talking about, you could get bacon on a stick... That's that's gross. It's not gross. <laughs> bacon on yeah, here I am. Bacon about. on a stick is not gross. Rope a dope. You, <laughs> you get you get a thirty yard string of licorice, and you're complaining about a thing of bacon. I like bacon as a side. If you have breakfast, you'll have a couple pieces of bacon on the side. That, that that's put it on a stick. And now you have bacon on a stick. Look, I'm a fat man at heart, but bacon's the one thing that I do like, and I'll put it on a lot of things. But you I could deal without it. You mean to tell me if I just said, hey, Sam, uh, tomorrow morning I stop by with some breakfast. Here's some leftover crispy, delicious bacon. You want to just eat the bacon? I mean, yeah, I'd eat it. Put it on a stick. <laughs> it's called innovation. It's beautiful. Regardless, <laughs> I I am a classic man myself. I think a good just bratwurst grilled. Oh, brats are gross. <laughs> what? <laughs> brats are gross. We are so opposite on What this. are you talking about? Wait. Are you from the Midwest? Because mustard's gross, too. And people always... Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a Chicagoan. My hot dogs, I put only ketchup on. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. I don't care. What has this show become? I don't know. What in the ever-loving world? So you don't eat bratwurst. Bratwurst, grilled onion, mustard, no? I'll eat it. You can't go with the brat? I'll go brat over hot dog any day of the week. You got... No. Twice on Sunday. I'll go go hot dog over brats. Okay, well, let me give you my combo then, Elise. I don't drink a lot of soda... Sox Park also great craft beer selection, guaranteed. Yeah, they do. They do. Great craft beer selection. But if I'm not doing the craft beer, and I'll keep it PG thirteen, that's the only like rare time I'll have soda. So I'll have soda at the game mixed with most likely my brat, or two or three, maybe nachos, perhaps. Oh yeah, nachos for sure. Nachos delicious, bacon on a stick perhaps. And you know what I? You know what like really was the kicker for me last year? Two items. That this is what sets Guaranteed Rate Field apart of all of them. You get awesome food. They had pierogies there. Delicious oh, pierogies. Yeah. You're and Polish. A I enjoy, I enjoy a, a good A enjoys a good pierogi I... every now and then. <laughs> Not only that, but there's like this Mini Minoso, White Sox legend. This will be how I close out the show. They have like this Cuban Comet sandwich or whatever. And it's like, I'm dropping pens and stuff here explaining it. It's like a pickle and like any kind of red pork meat you could think of. On like toasty bread and like weird man sauce, and it's delicious. And that's all right. Well, that's that's that's, that's it. I'm a, we're back to you in that. the studio. Yeah, that's right. So send. Hey, I'll tell you what. Send us your favorite ballpark food. And whether that's on Twitter, you can find us at Diamond Podcast. And some people have. Thank you for the shout out. Oh yes, thank you very much for the shout out. Indeed. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and Facebook. <laughs> Sam sending you pierogi. I gotta finish this up. Come on, right, Facebook. Finish, finish. Find us on Facebook, Diamond in the Rough Podcast, or you can email us. That's where you, we really want you to find us. Ask us questions. Send us your favorite ballpark food. We are at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. You could find him on Twitter at Tweet Dan Collins. I'm at Ostrowski. Sam, we appreciate you listening. As always, episode 12 is officially over. Dan and I talked about how we are fat asses at heart. We hope you are too, and we hope you enjoy this, and we'll see you for episode 13.